Frisco podcast. To learn more about UR Frisco, please visit upburnfrisco.com. So um, those of you who are here for our marriage portion, you are familiar with Kimberly Stokes, but I would like to warmly introduce you to her husband, Shannon Stokes. We got both Stokes, y'all. We got them both. I, um, I tell their kids all the time, like, I'm so stoked to see you, and they just give me that face, and I'm like, if it makes it any better, this is how my kids are going to feel when people say, aw shucks, their entire life. So, um, why don't you guys kind of, uh, so just for background for everyone here, my name is Ashley Shuck. Uh, Jeremy and I are the campus pastors here at Upper Room Frisco, um, and we have five children, God help us, ages 12 to, down to two years old. And um, would you guys first tell us just maybe first how long you've been married and how many kids you have and how old they are? Sure. We've been married a long time. Yeah. <laughs> How long? Um, 31 years. Long time. And we have two kids. We have a 21-year-old son and a 19-year-old daughter. So, yeah, so we're pretty deep into the parenting thing. Excited to be here tonight and share with you guys. And they're amazing, awesome kids that are enjoyable and they are funny. You have yeah, funny they're kids. Fun. They're fun. Um, but before we get started, I felt like uh, you told me that before, during yeah, worship you had a couple Yeah, just in worship, before we get into that even, I just felt like God highlighted two things. And one that I feel like he wants to address in parents tonight is shame before we even get started. So none of us do this thing properly. And so we're going to be hitting on some things like that we learned and that we grew in in parenting. But I just, I feel like the Lord really wants to, if, raise your hand if you're a parent, first of all. I just want to see. Okay, so most everybody, yeah. I, I just um, I just feel like he wants to hit shame. So um, I just want you to close your eyes. Yeah, and I just want you to, in your heart, just like give him any shame that you feel, any lack that you have as a mom, as a dad, and just say, Lord, you know I feel like I suck in this area, and I just want to give it to you. Meet me in this place. So just acknowledge it if it's, if it's anger, if it's rage, if it's impatience, if you don't know how to connect emotionally with your kids, if you're checked out emotionally, whatever that looks like, just give it to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to grow in this area with you. I want to partner with you and I want to look like you. And I want you to say out loud, I let go of shame. Yeah, fill me, Holy Spirit. Say that again louder. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Yeah. I want to be possessed by you. Say it out loud. I want to be possessed by you. As I parent my kids, I want to be possessed by you. I want to be full of you. So, God, that's our prayer. And even as we start off tonight, we just, like, shed shame. Just shake your hands. Like, shake it off. I shake off any shame so I can hear, so I can receive. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. And then the second thing I felt like he wanted us to hit, which was like, wow, okay, Lord. Um, but I felt like he wanted us to just address briefly forgiving our own parents. <laughs> so for each of us, we grew up and we have issues, right? We have stuff. No matter how awesome a job your, your parents did or how crappy a job they did, 
we all have stuff from that. And so I felt like the Lord just kind of wanted, before we get into that, just for you to choose to forgive. And I know probably everybody in this room has already forgiven their parents, but that's what God said, so I just want to follow him. So I just want you to close your eyes and just, like, do business with him for a second. Yeah, Father, I'm just going to kind of pray from my heart, and you just do business with your, yourself, okay? Lord, I just forgive my parents again for every area where they had lack, where they had impatience, where my mom didn't get me and I didn't feel loved, I didn't feel understood, I didn't feel liked. I forgive her. I forgive my dad for raging. God, everything, every area where they had lack and where I developed insecurity and issues and perfectionism and eating disorder as a result of the woundedness, and each of us has different woundedness, God, but we just say we forgive our parents. They were doing the best they could with where they were. Even if it was super lacking, that's probably about the best they had to give. So we forgive them and we release them from that. We just open our hearts to you, God. And we thank you that you are a good father. And where our parents had so much lack, you have abundance. So we lean into you tonight as our good father and we say thank you. Thank you for who you are. I just want you to pray and just ask God, Lord, I, just let me hear what you want me to hear tonight. Open your heart to him. Thank you, Lord. Use us and speak through us in Jesus' name. Amen. Ooh, that's a good way to get started. <laughs> oh. Anyone else like, oh. I'm already feeling things. Um, yeah, it, it, it is it is it is very difficult for us to address any bit of parenting without actually even going into our family of origin. Um, but I wanted to start by asking you guys this question. Um, what do you consider a heavenly perspective of family and parenting? And I'll just say on this, Shannon wasn't prepared to like speak tonight. So I've seen these questions and sought them through. So if he, yeah, so just so you know that. But tonight I was just like, I really felt like he was supposed to be up here. I'm like, babe, you okay to be up there? He's like, sure. Um, in terms of a, a heavenly perspective of parenting, I so see family as the primary vehicle on earth through which God wants to move and release his kingdom. Yeah. That's how I see family. And I think it is a huge opportunity for us to partner with God and as parents to be the living, breathing expression of the love of the Father to our children. And I know for me as a mom, especially with the wounds I suffered growing up, God had healed my heart. And we'd been married like 10 years before we had kids. So God had done a lot of heart surgery on me before we even had children. But there were so many wounds of not feeling loved, in particular by my mother. And I so wanted to tangibly release the heart and love of the Father to my kids. So that's what I see as the opportunity of parenting. And if you're a parent, you know there are countless, <laughs> countless opportunities for us to do that. And I want to say none of us do that perfectly, right? It's about staying connected to him. I can only love well and love like the father to the extent that I'm connected to the father. So that's a little bit of how I see um, 
just that heavenly perspective of parenting. And then also I think there's a lot in terms of like authority, obedience, so many things that we learn in our family that reflect kingdom, a submitted heart, trusting the heart of my parent that they know better than me when I'm a little kid. That exemplifies kingdom, right? God knows better sometimes. We don't understand why, but it's like, I trust, I trust your heart. Do you have anything to add on that? So you, you touched a little bit on, on your relationship with your mother and your own wounding. Um, how much would you say that our family of origin affects our parenting style? I think it's huge. I think it's huge. Um, I think, too, one thing I want to hit on maybe even before we go into that is that it's very normal, the ups and downs. Like sometimes, you know, you may feel like you're knocking it out of the park as a mom or a dad. And then other times you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm so ill-equipped for this job, right? I mean, that's real. Sometimes we're like, what? Sometimes I'm like, Lord, I don't know what, I don't know what game this is supposed to be. I mean, I don't even know what the rules are. I don't know where we're going. Um, but the ups and downs of parenting are so normal. And in that... There was one time, Shannon and I had been on a trip somewhere, the duck incident at the park. So Shannon and I had been on this vacay, just the two of us, and it was so fun, and we're getting back into town, our kids were little, and my sister had been keeping the kids, and it was such a lovely reunion, and then we're like, let's go on a picnic. So we go to this picnic by the Sonic, and it's, we're sitting out on this blanket, and I'm thinking, what a charmed life I lead, you know, this is so awesome, back with my kids, we're all happy and good, and we ate lunch, and then the kids were telling us that these ducks, um, a mama duck had had these babies, and so we go down, or no, the kids go down. Shannon and I are just sitting on the blanket, and the kids go down to this little pond, and our son, all-American boy, picks up a rock. So I go from this, what a charmed life we lead, to he's just like being a boy, and he throws a rock at the baby duck, or just at the ducks. He probably wasn't even aiming. It hit one of the baby ducks, and it starts. <laughs> and my, you could see the just my horror on my daughter's face and the little duck dies and she starts screaming I hate you I hate you I hate you to my son and my son's like probably like I can't believe I hit the duck you know but just the ups and downs of parenting I just want to say as we begin like it's so normal so Shannon and I ran over there he took Ethan away because Allie was out of control screaming her head I mean if somebody was to like see us they would be judging what a bad family those parents are doing a terrible job that girl's screaming but it's just part of life so I just want to kind of encourage in that in the ups and downs and we all experience that in our family of origin too but the family of origin um if we don't get healing from our wounds in our family of origin I think it plays an even greater impact yeah. as we parent yeah. right so I know for me, in the areas that God brought healing, I was able to parent very differently than the way I was parented. Anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I would just say um, the, the thing that's coming to my mind is um, that, like our parents, we've had this conversation many times. My parents were very strict disciplinarians, very, it felt like conditional love in my family. Even though they were believers, they loved Jesus. But it felt like if you got outside of the line, then love was withdrawn. And so that's what I grew up with was this conditional love, not unconditional love. That's the way it felt. And as we, you know, process through the years, it's like when you look back at the, the way my dad grew up, his dad was borderline abusive. Mm -hmm. 
And so, you know, we thought, you know, they were doing the best they knew how to do, like she said earlier. They did the best with what they came to parenting with. And we all take that into our parenting. It's like the things that we grew up with, we know, okay, I don't want to be that way. And, Lord, how can I, you know, redeem that? It should be our, our posture, you know. Um, but I, I would also caution us as far as going too far in that. Like, I am not going to discipline. I mean, it can turn into that, yeah. you know. I'm not going to discipline that way. And so it, it goes into I don't discipline at all. So, yeah, so don't, don't go so far that you're all the way over on this side because that creates a whole other set of problems. So, um, yeah, I just think there's a fine, fine balance with when we're looking at how we were parented and bringing that into our parenting. Yeah. I have one more thing on just the whole family of origin. Like in terms of me working with clients, um, I have my master's degree in counseling and was an LPC. I'm just doing kind of coaching now, but still meeting with couples, meeting with individuals. And I think one of the things that I see in so many of my clients is not being having like um, being able to have a secure attachment And that usually comes from growing up in a family where when you were um, upset emotionally, angry, or hurt, if you didn't receive comfort from your parent, and I have so many clients, I'll say, do you remember, you know, when you were a kid and you were upset or angry or, you know, just really twisted up inside, do you remember receiving comfort from your parent? And I'll tell you, it's in the high, probably 98%, maybe more than that, of clients that are like, no. I didn't receive comfort. So as parents, one of the healthiest things we can do that is kingdom, but it's also just make practical sense, is when your child is upset, I guess being able to offer them comfort, and part of that is going to be physical touch, and then um, also just like meeting them with gentleness. And if you think about it, that's how the father meets us. When I'm twisted up and messed up, even if it's in sin, he meets me with kindness and he meets me with gentleness. He meets me with love and grace. And there's that gentle touch. So I just want to say in terms of developing a secure attachment, which is what all of us want for our kids, that's super important. And the word does say that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And why would that be different for our children than for just for us? Um, I'd also say that, I mean, I think when people are trying to uh, correct their direction of parenting from their family of origin, sometimes we have a tendency to get tired or to slip back into, and, and I call it manifesting your parents on your children. Um, do you, is it a, it's a process, really, isn't it, of, of retraining your brain and retraining in yourself in how you want to parent your kids. It's focus. You actually have to... It's not just like a, you know, I read a book or I one-time fix. Yeah. I think I'll be interested if you have something on that. For for me, it was all about being connected to Father, honestly. Um, I, I met what healed my heart was meeting God as Father and his love, receiving his love, and it going to so many deep places. And it really is. I just remember him over and over, especially in that season of just like, it's my delight to love you when you least deserve it. It's my delight to forgive you when you least deserve it. And he just wrecked me. He wrecked me with his love, and that was way before we had kids. So I think, like, for me, and I think that's different probably for each person and where we on process, but I had been so deeply impacted by the love of the Father. That wasn't really a part of my process, showing up and manifesting my mom at all, because I was so deeply changed by the time I had kids, you know? Um, Did you have anything? I mean, 
I would say for us in coming from the background, of course, having a wife as a counselor, it made it kind of easy before we had kids. We had kind of already talked through it and we knew how we wanted to parent our kids. So it wasn't something, I mean, we knew that our parents did it, that didn't do it the way that we wanted to do it. So yes, I think it's a, it's a cognitive decision of how you going, you want to parent. And so for us, it wasn't, I, I mean, I never felt like I was reverting back into the way my parents parented me. So. Like, okay, that was me then. <laughs> <laughs> You're awesome though. Mm-hmm, thank you. We, we also, I mean, we, we had, uh, we had three kids in three years. We had three kids under three <laughs> and, um, <laughs> four within five years. Uh, so it, there was a lot of, uh, having to kind of learn things on the fly and there were things inside of us we didn't know were there until we had kids you know there's a lot of healing processes that I'd gone through or he'd gone through and we were like man we're doing really great and then we had kids and suddenly it was like oh that's still in there you know <laughs> and something would come up and we'd be like oh new chance for Jesus to come in um, I told Kimberly this the other day and you might may have heard me say this before but I often say that dating is like a mirror um, marriage is like a magnifying glass and children are like a microscope so it's like levels to which you can no longer actually keep the stuff inside of you that is selfish or unhealthy it's like they they cause it to come out of you um, what advice do you wish that someone would have given you early on in the early years? <laughs> I have so many things on that one. But um, I think the first one that I would say is let your kids fail. In fact... Can you say that? That was good. I wish someone would have told me early on, let your kids fail. In fact, I wish they would have said, provide opportunities for your children to fail. I think our culture is so wrapped up in, oh, we want them to have a healthy self-esteem and want them to feel good about themselves. And yeah, we want that. But that one of the best ways we grow and our kids grow is through failure. So we did a lot of getting our kids involved in their strengths and things they were going to excel in. But we lacked, as I look back on a regret, in providing more opportunities for them to fail. She's told, the first time I ever met Kimberly, we sat down, we were having lunch, and I asked her, I was like, I was like, what? Like, if you look back on everything, she said that to me, and I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna sit in that for like a month. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a question? She, I think she's gonna do that at the I'm end. I'm gonna do that at the end, David. Just because it's your birthday doesn't mean you get to get out of order. <laughs> Happy birthday! Just because it's your birthday, David Lux. <laughs> Um, I have a couple other things that I thought of on that, on the, um, what do I wish someone would have told me? Um, teach your kids to think for themselves. Don't just tell them what to do. Help them learn to think things through. Help them learn to make godly decisions or just wise decisions. What's a practical way to do that? I think asking questions instead of telling them what to do when they ask something. And now I'm not talking about, and this is age appropriate and stage appropriate. As a two, you don't go to your two-year-old and go, what do you want to wear today? 
No, that's too much. So age and stage appropriate. I mean, use wisdom in that. But asking questions. You know, when they get in junior high, you're going to ask different questions and get them to think at a little deeper, deeper level in high school than you would when they're, you know, seven years old. So I think asking questions is good. Um, another thing that I wish someone would have told me that I was a little bit ill-prepared for, and it may sound so stupid, but... When your kid turns 18 and graduates from high school, you're not going to launch a finished product. They're work in progress. And I didn't realize how real <laughs> that work. So just know they're going to be a work in progress. Yeah, I wish someone had told me that. Um, and then I think I already knew this, but if somebody doesn't, I think kindness and forgiveness are the most important things we can show up with as parents. Kindness and forgiveness are huge, huge. And kindness and forgiveness for yourself. That's I, true. I think I think that was the hardest thing. The fir first baby, first first year, everything I was going through. I wish someone would have come and said, "Hey, it's okay to do it wrong sometimes. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna fail at this at moments, and God can that makes room for God to come in. <laughs> if you didn't actually fail sometimes, they wouldn't need the Lord." <laughs> And I think another that I was very ill-prepared for. So if you have little boys, I did not know that adolescence was going to be so annoying. <laughs> like, I am serious. I had always, I had such a close relationship to my son. We had so much fun together. And then he turns 12, and it was just like, he got on my nerves, y'all. I mean, so bad. It was bad. 12 to 14 was rough. Didn't have that with my daughter at all. So that might just be us, but no, I know it's not. Because I've talked to lots of other moms. So for boys, that 12 to 14 can be really rough. And you just kind of expect a little more maturity, and they're so immature. Um, but in that season, I remember clearly I was seeking the Lord because I did not like my son very much in that season. And he was like, which also happens. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, I want you to treat him like a man and with honor. Do you see him? And he's like, treat him like a man. Treat him with honor, like the man he's growing into. And that really helped shift and shape my heart in that hard season. My son turns 12 in two weeks. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> um, fear, I feel like a lot of times, is a trigger when it comes to parenting. Can you talk a little bit uh, on on parenting and fear and the relationship that they have? Yeah. Fear is huge on so many levels. Um, and the thing I've learned in marriage, whether it's in marriage or in parenting, when I show up in fear, I show up at my absolute worst, no matter what the situation, but especially in marriage and parenting. Um, I'll just give a quick example with fear. One of our kids... Um, was going through some issues, and to me, it looked like classic anorexia eating disorder. That's what I struggled with, so it was a huge trigger for me because I'm like, oh, crap, my kid has anorexia. That's what I struggled with. Huge trigger, and so I was just like, blame me. Oh, it's got to be my fault and all this shame and blame, and it also scared me because you can die from anorexia if it you know, gets out of hand, and so if I would talk to that child from a place of fear, guess what? Child's heart was closed. The Lord fathered me through that, and I began to learn, I do not need to speak into this issue until I have Father's heart and his perspective and his peace. That's good. Guess what? 
I remember one time when we were having a conversation in their bedroom and I was coming, I, there was no fear at all in my heart. Heart, his heart, wide open to me in that convo. And actually I've had convos with both of our kids about that because I've feared both of our kids have had that to be honest. But um, heart wide open. So I would just say, if you're struggling with fear before you address it with your kid, spend some time with God. Get his heart and perspective. I would just say we all have different personalities and temperaments about fear or not. Some people are just a lot more fearful than others. Yeah. And I think that that's where this teamwork helps out Amen. because, you know, when she'd be freaking out, oh, I think, you know, anorexia, I was a little bit more of the more balanced side of it yeah. as far as maybe speaking a little more just calm, calmly to it. Um, and so I think that's where you as a parenting team really can come together because, I mean, that's what we're here for. You know, we're on the same team in, in this relationship, but then also in parenting, we got to be on the same team because if the kids are getting one message from her of, oh, fear, 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 but me, I'm just like, oh, it's nothing, you know, don't worry about it. But if it's really the truth that maybe it's somewhere in the middle, we help each other in that because uh, she, I tended to, to downplay it and she was more fearful about it. And yeah. like I said, and, and truthfully, it's probably somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. So I think that as long as you're open to what your spouse is also speaking into that, that's going to uh, bring dividends to the situation. And fear really has more to do probably with you, your family of origin, your past, yeah. um, than it has to do with the child. <laughs> and so it, it goes back into that. Talk, us talking about family of origin and dealing with your own stuff and even getting to where you can recognize your own triggers and the way that they happen in your kids. And since you guys have had teens, I've heard of different discussions where um, when kids get to a certain, like they're a little bit older and they're walking into a, to a circumstance, maybe they're asking you for more, uh, uh, for boundaries to be taken away or f to do something that actually is a little bit scarier as a parent. Um, do you, is it permissible in that, that time to actually say, like, this kind of scares me, but I'm with you. I, I, I just want you to know, to, 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 to connect that heart connection going both ways. Yeah. I, th I think for sure. I mean, I think open convos. And, I mean, I think it's really important also to grow, in, especially when you get to, like, the teenage trusting your kid. Like, both of our kids have told us how much it meant to them that we trusted them. Like, they were like, they've thanked us for that because they had so many friends. Like, I mean, you're going to probably think we're weird, those of you who are parents with older kids. We never put the thing, once our kids started driving, we never had the thing on our phone to, like, follow them or know where they were, their way at college. We never did that because we weren't, we just trusted them. We didn't feel like we needed to follow up or chase them around and, you know, know where they were. But, yeah, I, I think you're right about that. Um, I think it's a couple of other areas where Shannon and I have seen fear manifest in a lot of parents as your child gets older and matures is towards dating. That freaks people out. And what I've seen so many times is that if you were promiscuous or you had a lot of sexual issues in dating, then you are scared to death for your kid to date. And so I would just, I would just, like seek the Lord with those fears. 
um, part of that for Shannon and me is like we were virgins when we got married. And so we were like, we know you can date without having sex, you know. And so we had a lot of peace on that. Um, even though initially when our kids were little, we were had friends that were like homeschool families and had way older kids than us. And we're like, oh courtship is the way to do it. You know, you just whatever, wherever you are. And then we saw, okay, that didn't work out so well for their family. So we're like, but anyway, when our, when our kids got old enough, we're like, yeah, we could see how dating would be good. And our kids have, and they grow, they just grew so much by dating when they were in our home instead of waiting till they go to college. We've processed so much and they've, they've just learned and grown so much. So I think don't freak out when that, when it comes that day, like you can partner with them if you have open convos but you're, you're preparing for that before they get to their teen years. 100%. The, the, um, the choices that you give kids, the questions that you're asking them, the way that you empower them early pays off in the dividends of what you see when they get older and the way that they bring those things to you. You have a voice there. Absolutely, 100%. You and can't we, just suddenly have a voice in teen years. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a huge part of the whole process of Heart Connects, um, I mean, I think the whole thing, like when you're asking about what's heaven's perspective on family, I think heaven's perspective is intimacy. It's about relationship. Mm -hmm. And so that's from day one until the day you die or they die. It's all about intimacy, connection, and relationship. So for sure. Um, I think another fear that really manifests, especially when our kids are little, but it, I guess it could go even older, but I mean, I see it a lot in parents, is a fear of your kid not liking you. If you have any insecurities and it's really important to you that your kid likes you, you're going to have a self-esteem that's in the dumper a lot of days. So I would say it's super... Is that because they won't like you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you're doing a good job, some days they're not going to like you because they're kids. <laughs> they have emotions. We all do, right? I mean, do you not like your kids some days? Well, let's be honest. Do you days. like your spouse every day? <laughs> right. I mean, so it's real... And we, we choose to... Because I do. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, really getting, getting help if you need help, but so that your security, your identity doesn't come from your kid liking you or, you know, it's, it's okay. And so one of the things that, that we learned, um, and I'll take it for me, that I learned along the way was I can be perfectly, perfectly at peace when they're really mad at me. And I think that's another reflection of the Father. God doesn't get mad at me when I'm mad at him. Um, so I just think that whole thing of identity and security, it's really, really important as parents. Um, I'm trying to jump around. Uh, well, just real quick, because you kind of touched on the dating thing. and I mean, for me, if I go back a question to something I wish someone would have told me early on, which is that I, I would be confronted with the, the issue of sexuality in, with my kids much earlier than I thought. <laughs> like, I think my son was five, and um, I'm just going to tell the story because it's hilarious. But he, he was like, he was like, Mom, and I was like folding clothes, and he was like, I am really good at tickling my penis. And I was like, oh, my God, I thought I had more time. I have no idea what to say. And you're just like, you have... If you're not ready for that moment, you're suddenly like, you shouldn't do that. Where's your dad? You know, I mean, I... And, and, and I mean, that, 
all that to say, like, we are, we're those pastors that love talking about sex and sexuality in church. And it, I, again, so I was confronted with it so soon that it, I started realizing that if I don't decide how I'm going to have this conversation or, or, or what this is supposed to look like, because that is such a huge part of them growing up, and it's such a huge part of being able to even have bigger conversations later... Um, and one of the biggest things I could say on that subject is that um, there is not a sex talk. It is many talks. Yeah, and it sure. is at many degrees, many levels. When you have a little kid, I, I've seen it done where, you know, you're, doing, you're, you're planting seeds. And just, like, talking about the life of, life of a seed is a sex talk. It is, it is giving an explanation for, for how something grows. Um, you know, even, even, you know, having a kid that's in the bathtub and suddenly they're touching themselves. And a lot of us, because of fear response, we're suddenly triggered and we're like, don't do that. When the truth is the kid's like, when I do this, that happens. When I touch here, it's different. And so maybe in that moment, it's like, Hey, does that feel good? Yeah. What's like that for everybody? Oh, and then they move on. And that was a sex talk. And it's just finding the moments to go in and, 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 and create space for a discussion. And, and as they get older, there's more opportunities for that. Um, I know that you're really passionate about... I know you're really passionate about having uh, conversations around that subject, too. Yeah. So I want to give you a second. Yeah, if our so. kids were here, they'd be laughing. Because um, <laughs> we talk about that a lot. Um, something that... I, I just want to say, parenting with the Holy Spirit... He's a genius. Yeah. So in those kind of moments, freak out, panic moments, when you're like, what the heck? Don't just stay there in your mind. Connect with him. Help, SOS. <laughs> He's a genius. So one time when our son was little, you know, little boys, they'll be watching TV and they stick their hands in their pants. And so, you know, I said this a hundred times before, like, oh, let's get our hands out of our pants, you know. <laughs> then one time he looked at me, he's like, why, mom? Because it feels good. And so I'm like, well, yeah, that's true. You know, it's kind of one of those, what do I say? And so I was instantly, what do I say? Like to the Holy Spirit. And he was like, ask him if he knows why it feels good. So I was like, and I knew where he was going with that. So I was like, and I was tracking with Holy Spirit. And I'm like, well, do you know why it feels good? And Ethan was like, no, why? And I'm like, God made it feel good. And he was like, so puzzled, really? Why? I'm like, well, that is such a good question. And, you know, I just feel like Shannon needed to be there when we went a little deeper with the sex talk. And I'm like, we, we'll talk about that another time. We don't really have time right now. But, it, it, yeah, and he's like, that's so cool. And so he, I thought, and I just kind of sense from the Lord, if he follows up on that question and asks why, this is going to be our opportunity. And he, he was a little older than your guy. But anyway, that ended up opening up us talking about sex. But it was a curiosity, and it's beautiful, not just don't. It wasn't shaming him. God made it feel good. So God gave us that sense of pleasure. And it's good to let them know that this part of your body is like, if we respond with a shame response or a fear response, it suddenly it's like something about you is not okay. Right. Something about that you can't, you can't get away from is not okay. And um, our sexuality is always a gift. It is always a gift. It is a gift from the Lord. It doesn't become a gift on your wedding day. It is always a gift, the same way that, that food, enjoyment of food is a gift, enjoyment of money is a gift. Stewardship must be learned because marriage won't fix it. Right. Having money won't fix a money problem. Having food, you know, yeah. 
it is about learning the discipline and the stewardship of these gifts that God has given us. And so by having these little moments and, and, and walking with Holy Spirit and finding those, we are finding moments to help create a healthy identity of the gift that they've been given. I got something really funny I just want to share. So when we had the sex talk with our son, so, you know, Shannon and I were like, some people would like really prepare for that. And we're just like kind of flying by the seat of our pants. We knew we were going to do it this certain night. Our daughter was with my sister or somebody. So we just had, you know, one-on-one time with our son. And, um, but anyway, so we, you know, had this lovely talk with Ethan and it went really well. And then when we, you know, it had explained kind of the mechanics of sex, then he goes, you're not going to show me, are you? (laughs) No, son, that's very private. We'll never Hilarious. Yeah, telling our daughter afterwards, she goes, is that why your door's always locked? And I'm like, sometimes we're napping. <laughs> so um, just to, to hit a little bit on the same thing, be sure that you're the one that introduces your kids to it. Yes. That was one of our biggest things. We were like, yes. we don't want our kids finding out from Johnny at school or, you know, whatever especially in today's society with public school and God knows what teachers are actually teaching kids nowadays. So be sure that you are the ones that are in control of that conversation. And I guarantee it needs to happen a lot earlier than you think it does. Because we, we were not thinking it was the same with you. We weren't thinking it was going to need to happen that early, but we wanted to be on the front end of that. So just be sure that you're aware of, of when that time comes that you need to strike while the iron's hot. There's something called the law of first mention, which means that the second time you hear something, you compare it to the first time you heard something. So, for example, if you, you know, hear God is good, then when you hear he's not good or he's bad or he's angry or whatever, you compare it to what you first heard. And so that's a lot of times the reason that it's so important to be the, the, the foundation or the source that your kids come to. Um, I honestly I could go off on that, but... <clears throat> um, How can we engage God in the day-to-day moments of parenting? This is huge for me. I feel like this is the place from which I parented our kids. And that's going to look different for each one of us because we all have different relationships with the Lord. So even as you're hearing us share tonight, you may not necessarily, like, um, resonate. Like, oh, I don't. You may do it differently. But the main thing is that each of us partners with Holy Spirit. For me, what that looks like is in the midst of it when our kid was having a meltdown or angry or whatever it was, or maybe I just felt super impatient. It's leaning in in my spirit. I'm very aware of my emotions, and I'll be like, Lord, I just feel so impatient. And it's just happening in my spirit. It's not like I go to my bathroom and pray. I'm just like, you know, I just give this to you. I'm very honest with, like, I'm so lacking in love right now. I'm lacking whatever. And I'm just like, fill me. And so for me, it's like I just learned to live from what I call a divine exchange, where I'm constantly presenting my heart and emotions before the Lord. And I do this with Shannon too, not just with our kids. And then receiving, because he's got so much. When I'm lacking grace, he's got tons of it. When I'm lacking patience, he's got tons of it. When I'm lacking love, when I'm lacking wisdom, or like, what do I say to my kid right now? So it's just for me, it was a lifestyle of leaning in. And that's how I lived, and that's how I parented, and I can't imagine doing. I just don't know how, if you don't know God how you'd parent. I'm I'm just stuck with the thought. For me, it's like 
how do I want to be parented by him? And so it's kind of like, that's how I want to parent my kids, as a loving example of the way he fathers me. And so to me, that's, that's drawing it in, you know, how it's, it's, uh, it's so kind of where the rubber, rubber meets the road. How do it's I want so to be parented? When you start thinking about, like, I want to parent like the Lord parents me, and suddenly you're like, oh. <laughs> I do not know. <laughs> <laughs> so on that topic, um, how do you define discipline? Or do you want to keep going? Well, on? you know, I've got one more thing on that that I thought of. Um, this is a perfect example of, like, partnering with God. There, there's one time that I remember exactly where we were in our house. And our daughter, I don't know how old she was, but she's normally just real chill. She was so angry and crying and just, I mean, she was totally not in a good place. And so I did what I do, and I'm just like, oh, God, I don't know what to do. How do I reach her heart? That's a question I ask the Lord a lot as a parent. How do I reach her heart? How do I reach his heart? That's our main thing. It's not the end action of them doing some obedient thing or jumping through a hoop. How do I reach her heart? How do I reach his heart? That's a question I've asked God thousands of times in parenting. So I remember asking the Lord, how do I reach her heart? She was so mad. And I felt like the Lord just said, like, squat down and open your arms to her. And I'm like, I remember thinking, are you seeing what I'm seeing? Because she does not want me to touch her. She does not want. And I just felt like he was like, what I want you to do. And so I just, you know, I was just like, she's crying. She's right there. And I'm just like this. And I have a loving look on my face. I said nothing because he didn't say to say anything. And she's so angry. And guess what she did? She melted. She just, she started crying, but it wasn't angry. She ran into my arms and I just held her. Now, if I hadn't have leaned into the Lord, do you know what I would have probably done? You need to straighten up. I didn't have to say a word. So I would just say, God is such a genius, and if we will not react in our flesh, which kind of gets into your next question, but I'm going to go ahead and go there a little bit. As a parent for me, especially early on, when my kids would be in their flesh and they would be ugly or they would be impatient or they would be rude or having a meltdown, I wanted to train them, right? We all want to train, to tra train a child in the way he, he will go, in the ways of the Lord when he's old, he won't depart from it, right? From Proverbs 22, we want to do that. But when they would be in the flesh, there was this weird draw for me to get in the flesh too. Yeah. And I'm like, what the heck? I would seek the Lord about it. And that's really when he started teaching me about like leaning into him. My kid can be having a meltdown. My kid can be angry. My kid can be out of control and I can stay perfectly at peace. So don't let your children be the emotional barometer of your home. When your kid's in the flesh, the last thing that needs to happen is for you to get in the flesh. Stay connected to the Holy Spirit. He's so full of love. And if you are drawn into the flesh, I, I think one of the most powerful things that I do as a parent, we've talked about this, is um, apologizing to my kids owning my percent of my lack or owning the percent of which I lost my temper or my patience um, or the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and that really, and they respond to that. I mean, how many of us can really say that our parents apologize to us? Not many. It's a very, very powerful thing. And that will pay dividends because we did that with our kids too. And I will tell you, it took our daughter so much longer than our son, which is odd because she's a much more 
chill, quiet, laid back personality. And our son's really, you know, he's got a big personality, but they both learned it. It just took her longer, but they will mirror that. And if you are good at apologizing when you screw up, your kids are going to be so good at coming and going, oh my gosh, I'm really sorry, mom. Sorry, dad. Will you forgive me? So they're going to grow in that as you model that. And we, we can testify. It will happen. It will happen. Um, and they are a sponge and they see this relationship wow, too. Yes. If they see me blow it with Kimberly, but I apologize, man, they see how dad's treating mom or mom's treating dad. And it's it's just an example of how God operates. I mean, this we're a forgiving family. He's a forgiver. And so as we're modeling that, just to, even in our marriage relationship, the kids soak that up. I mean, they're, they're little sponges, and you know, we don't really realize it a lot of times, but they're soaking it up. So uh, just the importance of modeling it in a marriage can't be overstated, too. So good. Okay, and I will say on this, we talked some about dating, but if we don't go back to it, this is something I wish someone would have told me before our kids started dating. So really listen to this. Because in our family, we have such high value for love for forgiveness. It's just, it's continual. I mean, there's no question you're going to forget. I mean, it's just, it's who we are. But when our kids started dating, we didn't say, this person you're dating, you're not in covenant relationship with. It's not like our family. I didn't know to tell them in advance. So our daughter in particular was in this dating relationship, awesome Christian guy, but he wasn't treating her well. She should have dumped him long before she did, but she just kept forgiving because that's what we do. And so it's just really important to kind of train them like, hey, you know, if this person is manipulative or if they're not treating you well, you know, it's different than family. I wish someone would have told us that. But that's I'm telling really you, good. so remember it. That's so good. Wow. Um, well, let's talk about discipline. Let's talk about how you would define discipline. Okay, so I think there's a huge distinction between discipline and punishment. I think so too many times parents hear the word discipline and think of punishment. So I think that would be the first thing that I would say to that. Discipline, to me, is making a disciple. Ooh. Okay. That's going to get back to heart issues. So for us as parents, we were way more focused on heart connections, dealing with heart issues beneath behaviors instead of focused on outer behavior or what you did or this is your consequence. We have some extended family members. <laughs> Are you thinking about them? They love Jesus, bless them. But they're super big on punishment and consequences. And... Um, well, I would just say operate from the revelation of what you know God to be. And as you get to know Father, for me, the Father has not been punishing. He's after my heart. When I sin, when I mess up, whatever I do, he's always after my heart. And he wants relationship, and he's just loving me. So that's what we've tried to be to our kids. Would we mess up sometimes? Yeah, we would. And we'd have to go to them and say, man, I'm so sorry. I used a harsh tone or I didn't respond well or whatever. Um, but yeah, and I would say in that, when we forgive, when you're asking forgiveness from your kids, don't make an excuse. Don't say, but you really made me mad when you did that. 
If you're apologizing and you throw a but in there, it negates everything. Mm. And uh, try to not discipline out of anger. That was a huge thing for us. You know, it's when you're caught up in that emotional moment of, okay, Ethan did this. It's really mad. He, you know, you have to calm yourself so you're not disciplining out of anger. I did not do it perfectly all the time, but that was what we sh- strove. I think that's the past. That's what we strove for. Um, that's just a world of difference when you're disciplining out of love versus anger. They understand, you know, and it, it may be as simple as when they're young, if y'all are spankers, which we were, it was like, oh, Ethan, you did that. You're going to have to get a spanking, you know, put it on, you know, him. But it was a, this is the loving response. We get corrected, just like sometimes he spanks us, right? Um Anyway, so number one, don't discipline out of anger. And Just take then, a step away maybe if, you're, if it yeah. feels heated. Take yeah, a moment. If, you, if you have to. And then the other thing I would say too is um, there were times, particularly with Ethan, where he really deserved after the punish. I mean the discipline, he deserved some punishment. Okay, there, there needs to be some consequences. And there were many times, several times, let's say, where we just felt like we're really feeling like we need to just do what God would do and just give mercy here. And so we'd be like, son, we should ground you for however long. But we're going to show you some mercy this time. And man, what a picture of the father to your kids if you're able to do it. Not, not that you're supposed to do that every time. You know, of course, there need to be some consequences sometimes. But I feel like, for especially for Ethan, during those times... He understood, you know, just like, wow, this is mercy. Wow, my parents are having mercy on me. And, you know, that's just going to open that relationship up to the father that, you know, he's going to realize, boy, God has so much mercy on me. And my parents are showing me that. So just stick that back in your head as they get older. There may be some times to show mercy and not just judgment. (laughs) You know, sometimes I feel like... um the way I respond to my children, it, it, it's like their emotional responses or their anger or their fear or their um, almost like disregard for my feelings. It, it, it'll trigger me and make me really, really upset because it's, it goes back to that fear thing because a lot of times the thing that triggers me most in my child is what I struggle with. And there's things that I see in them that I, I'm like, that I have to really go after that. Um, where, you know... The reasons that I maybe am sharp to my husband or, um, you know, I forget things, it, it usually it comes down to something emotional, something deeper that's going on. And a lot of times we can dismiss that with little kids because they're little kids. And so we think that they have little emotions when the truth is they feel big feelings for actual reasons and actually talking to them and asking them questions like we were talking about questions are so important can actually lead to figuring out what the real issue is. And, and we talk a lot about messes in our community and how somebody makes a mess and you can't clean it up uh, or fix the problem if you don't know what the problem is. And so a lot of times we'll just automatically diagnose what's wrong with our kids because of our fear rather than actually sitting down and figuring out, you know, maybe they're lonely or maybe they are, maybe they're actually, they're crying out for, for one-on-one time with their parent. 
and it just so happens that they don't feel like they've been getting that. We have five kids. At any given time, someone feels like they need more attention or something from us, and we can't always gauge that. And so sometimes it looks like fights or yelling or even excluding somebody or something along those lines. And so really to like to go there with them and find out why. Um, Can I speak something into the yeah. whole discipline thing? Um, I think with with discipline, I think another way that God's like family represents the kingdom is in the area of obedience, especially like early on. It's so important that we train and teach them the value of obedience. And I feel like that is so counterculture because our culture is so like, oh, we don't want to stifle them or make them feel whatever. But I think um, it's an opportunity, especially as littles, let's say zero to five, if you can get a strong basis and foundation where they know, number one, I'm supposed to obey mom and dad. Mom and dad are authority. It sets the trajectory in life. God is the authority. I'm supposed to obey God. And we tried to raise our kids with such a way that they wanted to obey us. I think as parents of littles, we can set obedience as a, you need to obey, as a really harsh negative thing. We tried to make obedience really positive, like yay for obey, and that it's, that it's a good thing. Our kids wanted to please us. They wanted to obey us. We don't obey the Father to try to gain his love. We obey the Father because we are loved. And we can extend that in kingdom family. So um, I think it also teaches the child they're not the center of the universe, which is huge. We're not the center of the universe. Um, it was so beautiful to see, like with our kids, when we would say no to something, they trusted our hearts. And so this was like when they were little, if it was candy, whatever, like they knew I, I didn't take pleasure. And sometimes I would tell them, I have no pleasure in telling you no. Like this doesn't bring me pleasure. Because I think sometimes as parents, we can get kind of cocky and like, you're not getting the candy. Get over it. But instead of like being like, that's not the father, like, baby, I know you want that. It, it doesn't bring me any joy to tell you no, you know. But being able to, we need to have that authority and they can respect it. And I think all of that translates to a life submitted to God is they learn to submit. For us, even when our kids were in their teens and we would tell them no on something, they might be upset for a little while, but they weren't like, there was, we never had a, we really never did have a, I hate you, and storm off and do that. Like in their teen years, they trusted our heart. So I think as we seek to live and live out that love and love them when they don't deserve it, forgive them when they don't deserve it, I think that's the fruit of it. That's the fruit we established and saw in our home was that they trusted our hearts. Um, I've been reading the book Boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud, and he said something very interesting. He said from ages zero to 11, we are actually adding boundaries. We are setting boundaries continually for our children to help them understand what their parameters are. And then at about 12 years old, Lord help me, is when you start to kind of pull the boundaries back and starting getting them ready for launching. Uh, little by little, like little little bits of, of more freedom. Um, do you have more to say about obedience or 
training. I would just, or, I would just say like with training, with for those practicals. of you that have little, littles, oh my gosh. Okay, if you have a dog and you want an enjoyable dog, what do you do? What do you do? You train it. And if you don't know how to train it, you send it away. Well, we can't send our kids away for training, okay? Hello. But if you want an enjoyable baby and toddler and little kid and teenager, spend some time training. You can train your kid to stay by mommy. You can train your kid to not take all the books off the shelf. You can train your kid, come, even when they're little. And I just, when they were little, I spent time like, like you'd train a dog training our kids it's so empowering and you're going to have enjoyable children so i just want to put that out there there's this easy little book written by oh i can't think of his name something pearl maybe but anyway um it's called to train up a child and it just talks little things like you can train a kid to not pull daddy's glasses off of his eyes um it's it's they're just practical things we can do with training um switching gears a little bit how do we teach our kids to navigate through emotions? So good. This is very important. Such a good question. Um, I would say learn to deal with your own emotions first. You can't teach something you don't know. Right? So if you really struggle and you're super disconnected, get some help. <laughs> learn to identify your own feelings and express them in healthy ways. That would be my first answer of work on you. I can't teach my kid how to identify and express their emotions if I'm clueless about their emotions and my emotions. Because it, it's true that most adults, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but it, sometimes it's a struggle to stop and think to myself, what am I feeling? Like suddenly you'll have a trigger or you'll, uh, you're, suddenly you're yelling at your spouse or you're, you're <laughs> hollering at your kids or suddenly you wanna just go run away or, and we were not always great at saying, what am I feeling? What do I need? Those, two those are two big questions that if we can't learn how to answer those for ourselves, we can't train our kids in how to answer those for themselves. Another thing I would say in terms of emotions um, for, for us as adults, but also with our kids, is anger is a secondary emotion. Anytime you Ooh, feel... You've never heard that? That's so good, girl. Anger is a secondary emotion. So anytime you feel angry, anytime, there's something underneath it that we call the primary emotion. So when you're angry with your kid, okay, what's my primary emotion underneath this? And then when your child is dealing with anger, helping them to learn what's underneath that. We don't just get angry. We get angry because we feel hurt. We feel belittled. We feel disrespected. We feel betrayed. We feel shame, whatever it may be. Are you tracking with me? So that's very empowering for us as parents, but also to help our kids. Um, so when, it's so funny because our son has such a big personality, but he did not struggle with anger. It wasn't a deal. But our daughter, and I'm not like, I'm emotional, but I'm not a drama queen. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not drama. Shannon's sisters were very dramatic. Was I say, is Shannon the drama queen? No. No. <laughs> no. no. Neither. They're like, we're pretty cool. Neither of us are. And so, but Shannon's sisters were super like, <laughs> and they'd start crying. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is such drama. My family wasn't like that, I guess. And um, so when Allie was about three, we didn't have terrible twos, but at about three, she started raging. And if you know Allie, is that like shocking, Alexis? I mean, she's just the sweetest, most thoughtful, kind little thing. But she would like start screaming and she'd be like, um, 
nobody understands me, nobody loves me, and all this stuff, and I'm just like, we're the most loving family I've ever seen. I'm like, this is weird, God, what's happening? <laughs> exactly. And so we had to navigate through with our daughter to, because I just thought, oh my gosh, we're not going to have somebody that's like ruled by their emotions. Help us, Jesus. So I was very intentional to sow into her. I remember printing off Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit, especially self-control. Um, but we, you know, really made it very fun, hung it in her room. We talked about that a lot. We prayed through that a lot. But there was also, there's also a dimension if you see your kid raging, there is a spiritual dimension to that. So she had rage. My dad had rage. I'd never struggled with that. But, I mean, it was like I could see when she was in that place, there was this look in her eyes. It was so intense. It was like she went crazy yelling, nobody loves me. And I'm just thinking, what the heck? It wasn't just her. There was a spiritual dimension to that. So we can teach our kids not only to navigate through their emotions healthily, but if we're aware of what's going on spiritually. So one of the things that I did practically with Allie, apart from praying, talking through emotions, when they're in that space and they're like out of control, that's not the best time to have a little teaching session about anger, right? I mean, use wisdom. But when she was in a good headspace and wasn't messed up and angry, you know, I talked when she was probably three. I was like, oh, you know what? When we're angry, the devil wants us to be mad and to yell at your brother or yell at mommy. So I just, we just taught about demons. And so if Shannon was Allie, I'd be like, the devil may say, you know, when you're mad, you know, yell at your brother, yell at your brother. And I'm like, what do we say? And so I just taught her to say, you know, go in Jesus' name. And then I would be like, the demon would be like, ah, and he would leave and she would laugh. And then she would just say, I have a spirit of self-control, you know, fill me Holy Spirit. But you can do that in language that's age appropriate, that teaches them, I'm going to walk in authority over my emotions. My emotions are not going to walk in authority and walk all over me or my family. She got that lesson, but I worked really hard. We did a lot of sewing for about three years. But probably by the time she was six, that was, that was done. But she, God had developed that fruit of self-control, but it took a lot of training. We had a rough go with our firstborn, too, where he, I mean, he was like, he was like hissing and like would like come and like try and attack me when he was like two years old. It was really, 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 really weird. And so, and there are generational things in my family too. And we actually had a, a trusted older couple, uh, like a mom and dad of ours. They came over and they told us that they, they prayed for him when he was asleep. And they, they called it like non-invasive deliverance. <laughs> and it was just, and it was just something that they wanted to shut the doors of shame, fear, and control. And just, we just quietly prayed for him. And it was crazy, you guys, like, like how doing that we transformed my son. By the time he was like ten years old, he's a com he's a completely different kid than than what we were dealing with the crazy stuff we were dealing with um, as a toddler. Yeah. Uh, so there is there are ways spiritually to really go after those things. Yeah. Um, practical ways to diffuse, engage in meltdowns. Can you speak to that? <laughs> um, I mean, I think the first thing I would say is just that being very aware of when my kid's in the flesh, don't be drawn into the flesh. Stay connected to the Lord. Stay connected to the Holy Spirit. Um, letting him love through you. I think comfort 
we all want comfort when we're upset, right? If I'm angry as an adult, I want comfort. So that helps a lot. Um, meeting them where they are. I think Ashley and I were talking the other day about kids need space and time just like we do. If I'm mad at Shannon and I forgive him, but I want to, you know, I'm not going to just be able to get over that like that. And so giving, honoring our kids by giving them this, a little bit of space, if that's, hey, let's, let's go to your room for a little bit and just let's give you some time to cool down, whatever that looks like. But I think meeting them, if we meet them with love and grace, it totally changes the scenario. I think so many times parents ramp things up by us getting in the flesh, which is super ugly. Yeah, I, I remember my poor firstborn. I would, he would, he would have a huge meltdown or something like that, and I'd be like, "Well, I guess you're gonna get a spanking." I, mean, I just, I'd, that was was in my toolkit, y'all. And um, and something that I, I found that was really really great was a, a love and logic method that Danny Silk introduced us to, which he would he asked questions. He's like, "Hey, fun or room?" And this was transformative to our relationship. Um, and it was, you know, do you want to have fun here with me and just calm, smile on my face? Or do you want to go to your room and, and figure it out? And, and a lot of times he would, well, he wouldn't choose room. I'd be, you know, normally then I'd have to go to the next question, which is like, do you want to choose or do you want me to choose? The whole time trying to empower him in this moment. And uh, do you want to walk? You want to be carried? And so then usually it would you know, result in me carrying him to his room and then doors open, everything like that. I'm like, hey. Please come out when you're ready to have fun with us, when you're ready to be sweet or what, you know, and then I just kind of walk away. And a lot of times the kid would follow me and I'd be like, oh my gosh, are you ready to have fun? And he'd look at me and be like, you know, and it's like, okay, well, we can go back to your, do you want to go back to your room? Kind of do the same thing over and again. But, but what would happen is um, a lot of times I'd, I'd take them to their room and I'd walk away and you'd hear them like, and then, like, a few minutes later, they'd walk out, and they, it's like they got it out. And I'm like, hey, ready to have fun? They'd be like, yeah. And I'm like, great. Want a cookie? You know, I'd be like, great. We can engage in relationship again. And it became a huge tool for us and our family that we have used over the years. Um, there are, we want to get to Q&A. We want to give some time for questions. Um, are there one of these questions that you want to hit before we go to Q&A, though? Um, one thing that Shannon and I have seen through the years that I would like to hit is just um, you put a question on there about sharing of duties kind of between moms and between dads. spouses, yeah. Um, <laughs> we have seen, do you know what I'm going to say? Yeah. <laughs> we have seen countless times where new mothers, especially with that firstborn child, emasculate the father because they want the father to do X, Y, and Z the way they do it. Father ends up not being that involved in the baby and parenting because he doesn't do it mom's way. He doesn't do it the right way. And I can't tell you how many times we've seen this. Um, thank God I was aware of that because I can tend to be controlling. But with the kids, I wasn't. And Shannon was so involved and with other people. It's just, it's just be aware to not be emasculating he is not going to do it the way you do, ladies. And that can even work when you get older and you go out on a girl's trip out of town. He's going to take the kids out to eat and eat pizza and Chick-fil-A and eat a bunch of crap. It's okay. They're not going to die. Let him do it his they way. They may look homeless for that week. But on, at the same time, at those times when it is the dad doing it the way dad does things, that's such a bonding time with the kids. Yeah. You know, it is. It's those sweet times 
that, you know, it's like, hey, Ethan, remember last week when we, you know, whatever. And it's kind of like, oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're us, you know, as separate from mom, we can be us. And I can do things differently through mom, but you're still alive. Yep. And you're, you know, everything's good. So, yeah, so ladies, don't be that mom or that wife that, yeah. like, micromanages the husband. Because he'll end up presenting it for you and will completely pull out of the parenting. And you'll we've end up presenting it. him. Yeah. That's what we've yeah. seen. Yeah. Well, he doesn't, he's never involved. Well, it's because you micromanaged him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it is a team, it, it, it is a team effort. There, you know, we, I mean, we've been together long enough that we kind of know, <laughs> we know what roles we excel at. Um, Oh, uh, and I also want to say one thing. It, uh, I really encourage you to come up with kind of a mission statement for your family. It, like, if you've never actually sat down and decided, like, what do we want this to look like? Jeremy, Jeremy's an Eagle Scout, a Boy Scout, and so they've got this whole saying, like, Boy Scouts are, you know, say all the things. Trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. Woo! <laughs> yeah! So we... <laughs> I actually love that. I know I, I can't remember all those though. We only so we we like we spent a lot of time praying through and deciding f- for like um, like these six words. Like we, we started like trying to, to to find like words and they're up on our wall in like the playroom. Just something that our kids know that we that's a statement of who we want to be as a family. Um, now everyone has to do it that way specifically, but um, you know without vision people perish. You know there's to have an actual vision for your marriage, a vision for your children. I mean, obviously we want them to be good people and to be kind and, and to grow up as you know, members of, you know, helpful members of society. But really knowing what that looks like for your family, it's not gonna look the same as somebody else. You know, like my kids aren't gonna look the same as their kids because they have you know, a different flavor from what Jeremy and I are and we may have different values and that's okay, but we want to make a decision, you know, actually sit around, sit down and talk about what are those. Um, can, you, can you give a specific example? Like, what's the one that you wrote? Oh, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm on the spot. Um, our shucks are godly, loving, kind, witty, elegant, and brave. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, and I, we chose those words because they could, they could encompass a bunch of things and my kids can recite it easily. <laughs> Because <laughs> there's something, you guys know this, I mean, there's something about memorizing the words, something, memorizing like a mission statement, it just, it gets in you, and then at some random time, it just pops out. <laughs> I wish somebody would have told me that before I had kids. I like that. <laughs> there, okay, I, I want to open it up to questions, because there's probably a bunch of practical questions that people want to ask. Will okay, while you're thinking of your questions, I okay. will share what I say. So something we've, we did too when they were littles is we would put scripture to songs. And yes. that is so, they, ha- they love it. Like so it's, make it up. yeah, we'd, we'd make we'd up, we'd make up you know, I could sing one for you, but I won't. But anyway, that's such an easy way for the kids to enjoy learning scripture. Simple, yeah. simple stuff. And like the dinner table, hey, let's sing that Galatians song, you know. So anyway, that's just another tidbit that I just thought of that makes it easy and fun to bring godly stuff into the house. Yeah. Make up fun songs with scripture. And that's so funny because I was thinking about sharing this before we went into Q&A is um, I think every family struggles with how do we practically 
bring in, whether that's devo time or just spiritual time or bringing in God, the Holy Spirit, like making it practical. And I would say, use your meal times. When Shannon was at work and I was at home with the kids and then we did like a university model school. And so even when our kids were all the way through high school, they were home on Tuesdays and Thursdays with me. So meal times, that's a time where you're together. And so I would have different things that I would, you know, think through or talk through. And, um, but that's a really easy time. And so like for our kids, when they were in junior high and high school, something that we started doing, which may not sound that spiritual, but it was beautiful. So simple, simple things can have, um, deep impact is that we started sharing at dinner time, what was your high of the day, your low of the day, an interesting fact, and a God thing. Ooh, I like that. It was so nice. And so we, especially on those days when they were at school and we got to hear things. And sometimes if nobody had a God thing, then you would just share. So it was, you know, you just share something you're thankful for. But it was really sweet. So just try to um, be creative in how you can use meal times to be practical, to bring in spiritual truth or application. And that's Jewish culture. That's Shabbat. Um, we do we do a weekly uh, pancake breakfast. We want because we wanted to associate like the Jews used to. There's a, the word is sweetness. They used to put honey in the scripture, and so that the the young boys that were learning the Torah would associate sweetness with the scriptures. And so we were like, let's do pancakes. So and our and it's funny because when you start a tradition, kids love traditions. They love a family identity to rally around. There are certain things we do in our family that our kids love that that's who we are. That, like this next week we have our annual family fun week when we make the week about the kids. Um, we do our Saturday breakfast and they're the ones that are like, remember guys, it's Saturday breakfast, we're doing pancake breakfast and, you know, and then we insert and come with Jesus stories or scriptures or whatever. Um, questions? That's so good. She, she asked, how do you help your kids operate in their uniqueness? Um, I think, first of all, it's just being aware of what that is. Um, and, and I'm going to start with this. <laughs> you may have an awareness or feel like you got a prophetic word over your kids early on. Um, it may or may not be time to speak that out just because you have a word. There were some things that I sensed from the Lord for both of our kids that I haven't, um, didn't speak out until they were much older, like even recently, um, some things. So I just didn't want them to feel like who have got a, you know, like a pressure. Um, but I think even when you're struggling maybe with liking your kid, what I would do is I would go to the Lord, Lord, how do you see? I do this when I'm struggling with Shannon sometimes. <laughs> Lord, how do you see him? And I would remind myself of the things I like about him or about my kids. But I think knowing and the more we seek the Lord, that we can see that gold in them and remind them like who they are. I think just being affirming in, I love this about you, or this, this, is, this is an amazing gift God's given you. I think for me, probably verbally affirming the strengths or the gifts that I see in them. Um, I would just see, I would also say, don't be scared of what that uniqueness is. Because if it's something that's like foreign to your family, you know, if it's something, a different thing that you're seeing in your kid, that just maybe they're different. And, but don't be scared of it. Engage them in that process of walking through it with them. Hey, this is how God made you special. And what can we do to foster that? I mean, as a, as a parent, that's kind of what your thought process is. How can I 
engage with my kid in, as they're growing into this uniqueness. Next question. David, Wait, oh yeah, we have to go back to your question. Thanks for coming here on your birthday, by the way. What a crazy animal, party animal. Uh, talking about um, not only encouraging, but giving, your oppor giving opportunities for your kids to fail. How do you prepare yourself for the post-failure and into the approach? Well, like I said, no one told me that word, so I don't really, I don't have a whole lot of experience because that was something that we lacked in. Um, but our daughter, her junior year, did make a, a rapid, um, like a total about face in life and chose to go from her private Christian school to this um, performing arts school for theater. And so there were some failures along the way. So that would probably be probably the best um, personal experience that I could speak into that. And just supporting her, because there was disappointments, because early on she wasn't getting lead roles. I mean, she was getting a, just you know, a very minor role. Um, so supporting them, walking with that. But I think even teaching your kid to have a growth mindset is huge. There's a book, it's called Mindset. It's, she's not a Christian lady who wrote it, but it's super good. And so learning that failures and setbacks and when they blow it, you can still meet them in that place, not trying to rush them through the disappointment and the pain, but even in that, there's growth in that, that they can learn to deal with pain, disappointment. I'm not the best at everything I try. Learning perseverance, um, but learning how to grow from failure. So I, I highly recommend that book really to all parents. I wish I would have read that book earlier on in my kids' journey. I probably read it when they were in junior high. I wish I would have read it earlier on. And then that also gives you um, an opportunity to share your failures, you know, yeah, I tried out for junior high basketball, and man, I didn't make the team. You know, whatever it is, but that's that's a good way for you to engage with your kid on a on a real level of, man, I've been there. I know it hurts to fail, so you know, and it's letting them know, oh, dad's human too. So, good opportunity to be able to do that. Back behind. From a time management perspective, how do you balance vocation and family, making sure you have time enough for each? That an eight, and even like by age too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, for me, that's not an issue. I'm not a workaholic. So to me, it's like the less I can work, the better. So, <laughs> 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 um, so that was, that was not an issue with me, but I, I mean, if, if that is, I mean, it, that's just a practical thing that you have to hammer out really. It's like, Priority time with family is priority time. You have to make that time. And if that means going into the office early so you can get off on time to be there for dinner at night, you know, whatever it is, but you, you have to make practical choices to do that. Um, just time management. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't think. I think that's good. Um, and then also just being aware that in different seasons of life that may change that you know, your daughter or your son may need more time or attention in different seasons. So I think being open to the seasons. Um, and then I think also with that, being open to what your kids need, because I know like our, their love language is basically. So like with Ethan, if he and I started getting sideways or he seemed kind of crabby, all through the years, even when he was a teenager, I began to realize, I haven't, I haven't had the one-on-one -on -one time with him that I need. You know, just, just knowing their love languages and being able to be attentive to show up 
in whatever you know best speaks to them. But yeah, I think it's just intention. I would agree. And I would say we went through a season where um, I was working nights, and Jeremy, we were we were I call it the season of hustle. And um, I would work throughout the week from like before my son would get home from school until like midnight doing events uh, with this company. And during that season, suddenly my son started, we were going through a lot of transition. He was exhibiting a lot of things. People were actually throwing around a lot of scary diagnoses that he may have. And um, I took it to the Lord and I'm like, I don't have the space. I don't have the time. And he was like, um, (laughs) homeschool him. And I was like, oh no. Um, and so for two, for two years, I would homeschool. I took him out of school, and I'd homeschool my son until, like, from morning until, like, right before I'd change, and I'd go to work until, like, midnight. And I'd be do, like, a four-day week together. And people were like, how's homeschooling going? I'm like, well, he may end up illiterate, but I feel like I got my son back. Um, he it completely changed the trajectory that he was on. And it was a, it was a sacrifice during that season. I was very tired. But um, there was the freedom of take of what he needed in that time was not to be in the structure, the private school, everything that we had for him. It was he needed his mom. And um, homeschooling didn't look very you know, regimented. We weren't like hitting all the notes, but we were going to lunch together. And we were talking about life and... Um, he went back into school uh, after that, and um, the, within a couple months, they were sitting me down. They were like, we think your son is talented and gifted. He's blessed the school in this amazing way. He's bringing up younger kids. And I'm like, which is completely, uh, you know, different than what I'd been hearing before that. And it was just about God inviting me into a sacrifice during that season of time. And, and obviously, my life looks very different now. I can give him a lot more, but it is seasonal. What do you suggest for the single parent? That's That's so good. good. That's so real. Um, Number one, I would say God is their father, and God is your husband. And I don't say that as a cliche. Like, he's real. So I would just say lean into him. Um, And it's a big deal. It's a big deal to him that he sees you, I think just knowing that you're seen. And I would say, um, get the support. I would say get support for single parents. Get the support that you need, um, whatever that looks like, and the support your kid needs. You know, if, if you're a single mom, you, your child needs an influence as a dad, as a, a male figure in their life if the dad's not around and vice versa if it's single parent as a dad. Um, so I would just say make sure you get the support you need and also self-care I would even hit on that which seems weird but I would say single parents need some time away and so yeah self-care is really important um in self-care I would say even for moms especially stay-at-home moms I know when I was a stay-at-home mom I was so invested in my kids but it was hard for me to take time away and I think even more so with being a single parent you know, you just want to be there at all times and be everything that they need. But um, it is good for you to get some time away, and we all need that. I was raised by a single mom for a season, and I'll let you know that um, love matters. They, I, I knew that my mom loved me. I knew that she would sacrifice for me, and it paid dividends in the end. I knew that I was unconditionally loved. I knew she was 
fighting for me, even though she was still fighting for herself during that season. Yes, so we've had so much transition. We're moving, just had a surprise fourth, et cetera. So I, yay. So we get that like stuff happens and, and we work really hard on our parenting. And a lot of the stuff you've said, it's like, oh, we could add so much of that. And there's a lot of it that we're like, oh, cool. Like we're, we're nailing some of this. Our son today, eight years old, we've got the screens and all the things that come with that. And we give and we take and we try to just monitor. And he did one of those things that you're like, ah, this is why we don't do screens and this is like serious and I feel like I should take it away completely. But also like it, where's the grace and where's the mercy? It is like something that he does a lot because it's hot and we moved and all the things. But it, it was, ah, he, <sighs> hey, new family. He like threatened to pull a knife on his brother and he's eight. And we're like, um, but it was like, yeah, but it was like his friend had taught him that. He's like, I wasn't really going to do it. It was my buddy said it, and, you know, and so we're like, oh, my gosh. I don't know. I probably rambled too much. That's What do I do with that? And did you say he threw the iPhone at his brother? I didn't understand he, what you said. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I, I, didn't, I didn't understand it, so anyway. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, screens are a big, big deal. So, and I think even now more so than like when our kids were little, because when our kids were little, smartphones weren't even around, I don't think, right? Like 20 years ago. I don't remember having a smartphone with a, yeah, maybe we had cell phones, but not smartphones. Um, so it's, it's just so real. And I would just say, you guys, as a couple, Okay, what are we going to do? I think being united on that, whatever your decision is, is really important. I think those are opportunities to disciple your son. Um, I think addiction is real. <laughs> I know for myself, I find myself checking my cell phone way more than I want to. And I'm like, what the heck? What's wrong with me? Right? And even more so, I think, for kids with screen time. So, um, I don't, I don't have a hard, fast answer for that, but I think being cautious is really good. I think the more time we can have our kids being relational and doing games, it's too hot to be outside right now, right? But in the pool, you know, activities is so much better than screen time. Even if that's at home playing chase inside the house, we did that a lot. Um, freeze tag inside the house, you know, whatever you can do, but activities um, are so much better than screen time. I see the, the, least, the less screen time, the better. They need to give transfers to Texas a little booklet, what to do with your children during the summer. <laughs> yes. And I, I'd be remiss to not touch on this with screen time. Your kids are going to find porn if you're not on top of it. Well, huge on top of it because we were we it. were way on top of it with our when when Ethan did get his phone and he didn't get it till he was like 14, yeah. 13, 14. But well, yeah. But once he had his phone, we had a you know a filter on there. We had it. But kids are smart; they'll find a way around it. So you've got to be on top of it. Don't think that they're not going to find it. And that's that goes back to just being an open book about sexuality. Yeah. And hey, if you're struggling, come to mom and dad. You're not in trouble. We want to help you. It's, it's keeping that dialogue open because I guarantee you 
it's, it's going to be a big issue with as much screens as there are now out there, whether it's iPads, phones, computers, it's everywhere, and you got to be super vigilant or it's, yeah. it's going to happen. Jeremy has this saying where he says, the devil doesn't play fair. He doesn't care about what age it is. And honestly, any adult that struggles with any kind of pornography addiction, when they were a kid, they never said, they never stumbled upon porn and said, oh, I'm really hoping I get a porn addiction today. Um, and even talking to my son and saying, you know, you will see photos. I mean, he, he will see billboards, okay? The billboards that are out there right now are, there, there was one that would, we saw for, like, it was on our way to kids to school. It was always these um, women in lingerie for the strip club. And um, we got to the point where my kids would be like, Mom, are you praying for the girl? I'm like, yes, because we, instead of, and like, they, there was no avoiding it. And so instead, I decided, you know what? I'm not going to ignore it like it doesn't exist. I said, I would, every time we'd pass it, I'd be like, Jesus, we're praying for these girls. We pray for fathers. I, I was letting them know I see it, and this is how I respond to it. Um, and also letting my son know there may come a day when you will see the photos like this. And I'm, he was like, he's like, why? You know, I mean, and it started a conversation to let him know. Um, but to your point, we are living in an age where nobody's really had to figure out what boundaries, healthy boundaries, but like I was talking about gifts that were given and stewardship. We are have, we are like the first generation having to figure out how to parent the boundaries. We don't even know the repercussions of what this does to people. We are still on the forefront of knowing what having all this technology at our fingertips does. And so we are, we are in a crash course of figuring out how to raise humans who have access to all kinds of things that we didn't have access to. Um, and so I, I would say to, to really sit with the Lord, spend time and say, God, I have no idea what to do. There's really, there's not much of a roadmap here. You know, I'm, I, I mentioned about that boundaries book. I mean, there's an entire chapter just dedicated to technology and even challenging me in the fact that it's like, I, I can't set parameters for my kids that I don't know how to have for myself. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so convicted. You know, I'm over there on my phone and I'm like, I'm like, screen time's over, guys. You know what I mean? <laughs> my kids are like, what? <laughs> oh, you need to okay, okay. Well, it, it was just in response to, to your question. I, our kids respond really well when we show a, a certain amount of vulnerability uh, with them. And um, so a conversation might go like this, like if, the, if they did something along those lines where I would say, and we've said to them, um, what you did scared me, scared daddy. And it, the reason it, it scared me is because how powerful my love is for you. And, and for them to realize that their, um, their behavior uh, made, made you feel scared, they it affects them because they love you too. And, and for them to realize that they threaten their connection with you by their behavior is usually a really good wake-up call for them. Yeah. Ooh, baby, I feel good. That was hot. Just in, in regards to kind of the whole concept, especially of um, your kids discovering porn, I would just say parent in such a way from day one that you are a safe place. The father is so safe. I can go to him with any and everything. And he meets me with love. He hasn't made me with fear. 
He meets me with love. And so I just encourage you to, to, you know, grow in being a safe place for your kids, communicating that to them, letting them know. If they ever come to you, um, I had a friend recently that was talking to me about something, and she was like, I don't think I responded very well. My kid came to me with something, and it was vulnerable, and I didn't respond well. That was me. Okay. <laughs> 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 I was trying to protect you. But anyway, and so Ashley was saying this, and I was just like, <laughs> I was just like, um, I said, I encourage you to go back to him and say, I'm really sorry for how I responded. Because so many times, um, like what you were talking about earlier, the first time we hear something or see, you know, so just really like being like, I really want to be a safe place. It's, it's huge. It's, it's the kingdom. It's connection. It's intimacy. It's relationship. It's the heart of God. Um, I just think kind of the whole thing of like how he wrecked me with it's my delight to love you when you least deserve it. Let that be your mantra with your kids. If you haven't received that from the Lord, sit with the Father until he wrecks you with that. It's my delight to forgive you when you least deserve it. Sit with him until he wrecks your heart with that. That's how you can show up and be that kind of parent. If we haven't received that, and I'm not talking about head knowledge. I'm talking about experientially receiving that from the Father. You're not going to be able to walk it out. So. And Jeremy brought up something that I thought was really precious. And, and um, a lot of times as parents, if we're, uh, there have been moments where I've been frustrated with my kids to the point of tears. And suddenly, like, I'll just start crying. And a lot of times, we'll hide those big emotions from our kids. We'll go in the other room or cry or, or you know... Um, get upset, or maybe if we're, we're feeling lonely, there's beauty in letting your kids see you experience your emotions. Yep. There's actually an amazing thing that happens. I, you guys will probably recognize this, where if you have cried, your child comes to comfort you. It, it creates in them an empathy. It creates in them some, an otherness in getting to participate with you as a parent in your emotions. And so when he was even talking about the beauty of, of what are you laughing at? There's a lot of them in one of me. Um, <laughs> but, oh, you made me lose the train But yeah, but what he said about just like, there have been times where I've, I've gone to one of my kids and I'm like, you scared me. It is, it is very vulnerable to say that. Normally, like, in our mind, the parents, like, you were wrong, you were wrong. I was right. Rah, rah, rah. Now, do what I told you. Um, and, and saying to them, like, like, you know what? The way that I responded, I was scared. And, and, and that draws them into the conversation. And, I mean, even at a young age, you guys would be surprised. They're like, why? Like, well, you know, when I was little, I, I made a big mess. And, you know, or, you know what I mean? It, it allows them, again, at a young age, they're getting to be honored and respected as, as a participant in this relationship, not just a recipient in this relationship. Any other questions? Alexis had a question. Hey, before he shares, I have one quick thing that I feel like the Lord wants me to just address is if you struggle with anger in a, in a room this size, there are going to be people that struggle with anger 
and there are going to be people that struggle with rage. And usually rage is a huge family secret. And I want to encourage you, don't keep that secret and that shame. Seek some help. Um, that might be deliverance. That might be just seeking some practical ways to learn to deal with your emotions. But don't let rage steal from your family. It's not of God. And he can heal you. He can free you. He can set you free. Go ahead. Sorry. No, you're good. Um, this goes back to screen time and all of that, but I wanted to know how y'all dealt with like social media in the teenage years. Um, it's just right now, I know it's just a huge topic. And so how did y'all go about doing that? Our kids didn't have social media until they were older. Um, and actually our daughter is very anti-culture. She didn't even get Instagram, I think, until she was like 17. She was old. She just didn't want it. Maybe 18. So we're a little counterculture, so I really can't address that too much. And Ethan was older. Um, but, yeah, I think we let him get one thing, Instagram, I think was what it was. Um, I think he went through a phase. We didn't want him to have Snapchat because we'd heard bad things about it, and he got Snapchat, uh, like, was deceitful behind our back. And I think he told you about it or you saw it or something when he was, you know. And so then you, and Alexis, I just want to say it's good. I mean, it's good to be in a family of God because Alexis confronted Ethan, and he said, do your parents know you have this? And Ethan was like, no. And he said, well, you either need to tell them or I will. And so Ethan came and told us. So, I mean, it's just beautiful to have other people, you know, involved in your kid's life and have them involved in youth or have them involved with other people. Um, but I don't, I don't feel like personally I can speak too much to that because when they were like 12, they didn't have any of that. Yeah. Again, it goes back to conversations. The hard thing for Alexis is that he's youth pastor. He's not mom and dad. He's just, you know, he's, he's you know, buddy pastoring over there. He's, you know, he's helping them through. But I mean, the village is so important. Like having like your, your, who your kids people are putting them in the situations where they can have good people around them. Yeah. I think with like Insta or something, if we were doing that now and had younger kids, I would say only be friends with people that we know or that you know, not others. I think that would be a practical thing. Um, and then just, you know, having convos, looking, I know that one of my friends who has um, a girl who's, um, well, probably when she was 14, she had social, and so she would just look at her Instagram account and, you know, stuff like that. But, yeah, you got to be vigilant, but I think it is having convos. I'm constantly trying to get rid of mine. And then I put it back on, and then I unrace it again. And we have a weird relationship, but I feel like all of us, it goes back to the social media, I, like, we're all still figuring this out and what the repercussions are on us, let alone what they're going to be for them. Um, I don't think that studies have shown it to be great for young minds. So um, I'm, as far as we're concerned, we're just, we're holding off as long as yeah, possible. I would say the, the longer that you can put off giving your kids a phone, the better. And then once they get a phone, the longer you can put off social media, the better. Yeah, I haven't gotten here yet, but until they're actually able to make an intelligent argument for why they should have those things, I feel like that's what I'm waiting for. I'm like, I'm ready to engage with you when you are, but I don't feel like you have the maturity yet to actually engage in the reasons why you should have it. I'm not going to be your introduction to it. Right. Yeah. Go by here. Sorry, I already came to you. Sorry, we're going a little long, guys. So I have a 21-year-old and 16-year-old. Um, in terms of emotional barometers, um, 
I try to use silence, like not to respond straight away when my 16-year-old has questions. It was totally different with 21-year-old. But so I, in, in, because I don't want to respond in anger, I just am quiet. But that angers her. She's like, why aren't you responding to me? So that's kind of like, you know what I mean? I, and so I said, well, I'm thinking about my answer, you know? Yeah. And then so I, I tell her, well, why don't you make a note, like write all the things? Well, now I have a list of 20 things. I was expecting like five maybe. <laughs> I have 20. So <laughs> she's away now on holiday, and I'm like, okay, I got to get ready yeah. for these. <laughs> you know, how do, I, how do I deal with that in the in the in the immediate, you know, like she's asking questions and I want to respond, but I, I want to respond correctly. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Not in anger. Yeah. So I'm, I'm holding on to it, but she's like, why aren't you responding? Yeah. Why aren't you talking to me? Yeah. You know, such, such a good question. Number one, first of all, I commend you in that your desire is to honor her and not respond in anger. And I'm wondering, I could be off here, but I'm wondering from the way you posed your question and some of the things you said, if perhaps you're an internal processor and maybe, um, you know, we have, some of us are internal processors, some are external. Internal processors tend to take a little more time. They need to think through their response. Shannon's an internal processor. I'm an external processor. So you can ask me a question. I've got an answer. Ask me how I'm feeling. I've got an answer. You ask Shannon and be like, I need to think on that. And it's, it's not that he's slow, he's brilliant, but we're just different. Both of our kids are different. So you, as possibly an internal processor, being able to just tell your daughter when something like that happens, um, this is an example, okay, like, wow, that's, that's a really good question. You know, I'm learning more about myself. I'm an internal processor. I need a little time to think this through because I want to give you a thoughtful and, and authentic answer. And that's legitimate, but that will honor her instead of being met with silence. Because if it's just silence, we can read silence a whole lot of ways. So that would be one thing I would say is just to honor her and let her know, I'm learning about myself and I need some time to think this through. Um, and then there was something else I was going to say about that. Do you have anything on that one? Do you have anything on that one? Um, no, there. Uh, other than... Uh, yeah, like she said, there are there are ways to kind of talk through that um, with your daughter. There's something uh, I, even about like 16 year olds about um, about finding the percentage to which you can um, affirm her. Like you know, I I understand. I can see why you feel that way. You know, I under you know that I think I think that that what you this part of what you said is actually valid um, to just help them feel validated. Um, oh, I, we have really stretched our child care. I want to th thank you guys so much. We're going to stay up here if there's any more questions. Well, I'm going to stay up here. If there's any more questions, but um, I just want to pray and bless you guys. Um, Lord, thank you so much for all of these beautiful people. God, I ask that you would give them wisdom and that you would give them moments with heaven, moments with you for your wisdom and your word over their kids through all, each unique child that they have, for each future child, for those who are here and don't yet have kids. Father, for every adult child, would you bless every adult child in the room? And, um, and would you bless each of us on our own journey of figuring out who we are in you and, and navigating our own emotions and our own histories, Lord? Would you help us, help us to have grace 
Jesus, we love you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.